Yeah, hey everyone, it's Kelvin. Welcome to episode 42 of Res Metal Podcast. Um, thanks for checking it out. On this episode, I was really, really fortunate to talk with um, Sergio Soto of the black metal band Imperialist. Um, the reason I say that is just because, you know, I'm just a big fan of like the Transcending Obscurity records, you know, uh, bands and artists and yeah, it was just a real honor to talk to Sergio. Um, we got a chance to talk about, you know, their recent um, performance at California Death Fest and just kind of like the background of, you know, how Sergio started playing music and how Imperialist was formed. And we do uh, talk about their newest album, Zenith, which uh, if you haven't checked it out, you can, you know, see their... Um, Bandcamp, um, the Transcending Obscurity, you know, Bandcamp. You can also stream it like on Spotify, um, Apple iTunes. Um, I believe you can also stream it on the Transcending Obscurity YouTube page. Um, yeah, it's just a really cool talk. You know, I was really um, just really into Imperialist for a while. You know, I first got into them uh, just following Transcending Obscurity. You know, they put out a yearly. Uh, compilation like a digital compilation so you know they were on i believe it was last year's um uh, transcending obscurity compilation and just been a fan ever since um yeah you know just uh another reason i really dig them is you know i'm, I'm just a huge huge uh dissection fan and you know the um, you know imperialists are definitely influenced by dissection and you know i really you know just kind of dig their interpretation of melodic uh, black metal um so i'm just gonna play a quick clip i'm gonna play a clip from you know their first uh ep um sergio does uh kind of talk about how this uh was the um kind of like their first one of their first recordings um and that's the call of volcane so check it out i'll play a quick clip and then go right into the interview all right check it out Sergio Soto, guitarist and vocalist for Imperialist. Um, so I'm really thankful to, to talk with Sergio. Um, would you mind just kind of introducing yourself to listeners? Yeah, I'm Sergio Soto from Imperialist. I play guitar and vocals. Awesome. And uh, where are you? Um, where are you calling them right now? We're in... We're in a suburb of, of L.A. called Monrovia, so okay. maybe about 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes away 
east from Los Angeles. East of Los Angeles. Still okay. LA County. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I was going to, I got to mention the Super Bowl. Um, are you going to follow the Super Bowl tomorrow with the LA Rams? Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. I hope the Rams, I hope the Rams win. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. Last I checked, I think they're favored by the gambling odds. I think mainly, I think cause it's a home team and I want to say it was, they were favored by four, but I don't know if that changed or not since I last checked, but yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it might change. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool that, I mean, Super Bowl in LA, the traffic's going to be terrible, but, um, I mean, who's going to be driving anyway, right? Who's going to be watching the game? It's it's cool, though. I see, you know, like in downtown, all the events and everything just leading up to the Super Bowl. It's it's cool. I mean, there hasn't been a football team for a while. So to have a team like the Rams and then for the Rams to make it to the Super Bowl when, when it's in L.A., it's really cool. So I'm excited. I hope they win. And, yeah. It's going to be a good game. The Bengals are, man, red hot. Yeah. So, I, uh, I played, good. yeah, I, I played a fantasy football league and I had a lot of Bengals players on my team. Like, um, yeah, the running back. Um, um, let's see. I think I had uh, T. Higgins. Um, yeah, just a lot of like their, not even like their star players. They like put up a lot of stats. It's, it's really cool. And, their quarterback, Joe Burrow, he's, uh, yeah, dude, he just, I'm just blown away how he was able to take the team to the Super Bowl in his second season. Yeah, man. It's, uh, like, uh, like Michael Irvin says, he's got stank in his tank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's an ace, man. This guy just kind of just turned it up and took his team. He, you know, the way that they handled the chiefs was very impressive too. So I'm excited to see both teams, you know, the, I mean, I got to say these playoffs have been, been probably some of the best football I've seen in a very long time. Yeah. Actually this season, I mean, there are so many good games this season in general. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be really good. Yeah. I'm, I'm in Arizona. So I've been following the Cardinals. They, they started out like, I want to say they won like seven, eight games in a row then pretty much just kind of fell off from there. But, um, I don't yeah, know what happened. In the they beat down the Rams early in the season. Yeah, they, they won at the playoffs. at the Rams stadium too. That was that was yeah. impressive. But I don't know what happened. Like I want to say after Halloween, after that um, Green Thursday night game against Green Bay, it just I don't know. The season just kind of like disintegrated from there. I don't know. That's weird. Yeah, I feel I feel like a lot of teams uh, during the midway point of the season, or yeah, like around the midway point of the season a lot of teams where you thought you had their outcomes mm -hmm. started to really turn it around. Like, I mean, I don't know if you remember the chiefs, they were like at 500 or I think they were, yeah, they were like last in the, their division, like the AFC West. Yeah. They were, yeah. Somehow they turned it and around. They just turned it around. Same. Uh, yeah. A lot of teams. And then, you, and then you had like teams like the Eagles making it to the wild card, like right at the very end and, and the Steelers and, yeah, it was, it was cool. There was a lot of cool, like a lot of, a lot of movement in the league, you know, with, with just, uh, performance. So hopefully, you know, it carries on to next season. Yeah. But, but for now, I mean, I, I think everyone's in for a good Super Bowl. So let's yeah. go for a, yeah. for a shootout. <laughs> Heck yeah. Heck yeah. 
Um, but yeah, going back to just, uh, imperialist, um, you know, I follow imperialist on like the, on social media. And I saw that you guys recently played the California death fest. Uh, how was that experience? It was cool. It was really cool. We, we've been anticipating this show since when I want to say May of last year when we, when we got on and you know how it is, you know, just something is so far out. You kind of, you get excited and then it's just there kind of like a, like a new movie or like a new album or something. You're just kind of like, Oh, it's like, Oh, they're going to put out an album in like six months or, you know, X amount of time. But then when it gets closer, the anticipation starts to build up and you get nervous or then you get really excited. And then when it starts happening, <clears throat> excuse me. And then when you actually get there, it's a whole different feeling. And yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was exciting. Uh, I've been a fan of the death fest for, I mean, as long as I can't even remember, you know, I mean, I've just been a big fan of Maryland death fest. And then when they started branching out and then I attended some of those eventually and just seeing how really, how really, uh, what's the word, I guess, smooth the system is in those festivals, you know, having like that European style festival, set up here in the u.s was really cool and to be a part of that and then the lineup i mean wow that lineup was really awesome we we got to play the same day as bands like oculus and sacramentum and dark fortress and pentagram chile just these great bands and when we got on we had other bands that were part of the lineup but a couple of them drop because of visa issues and whatnot and like i was excited to see necrophobic and play with them they had issues that they couldn't make it but yeah it was really cool attendance was awesome and just to see our logo on a flyer with all those other bands with autopsy and mortician and just those kind of bands sacramentum especially uh was really cool and Actually, I got to play with Sacramentum on on that same day because their bass player had to, he couldn't make it. Oh, wow. So they asked last minute to play bass for them. So I had to learn the whole Far Away From The Sun album in like three days wow. on bass. And then, so on top of the Imperialist set, I had to learn the whole Far Away From The Sun and like the cues and everything. And then we only had, a, we only rehearsed the set two times on the Saturday of the, of prior to the show. So yeah, it was, it was cool. It was, it was, it was a lot of work that had to go into it. I had to basically new set in a couple of days and then get our set down. But I'm glad I, that I took that challenge and, and I'm really happy with the result and, it, you know, we're very good friend guys in Sacramento, and, and now, I mean, I consider them close friends. And, you know, I'm, I'm just happy for what the opportunity that the Death Fest has provided to Imperialists and to myself, to my bandmates, and just everything. It was really cool. It was really exciting. Yeah. It I, became more than a year ago. <laughs> yeah. 
I, uh, you know, I see a lot of comparisons to sedimentum with imperialists. So, um, that, that's, that's pretty cool that you got to play with them and played a whole set for them. Um, and then, um, kind of just going back to the, the beginning of, uh, imperialist, um, um, what was like your exposure to heavy music and to the local scene in California? Well, I went to heavy music. I want to say when I was maybe like in sixth or seventh grade, I got into new metal bands. Yeah, like me too. yeah same here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love System of a Down and Corn is a great band too. I haven't really kept up with their more recent work, but I love the early albums. And I like, yeah, those were probably like my beer, my, my favorite bands. Um, and then I sort of just, I didn't really, from those grades, from that age where I was, I didn't really continue the search to look for, you know, heavier, bringing. I kind of just stayed there with, you know, the, like corn and system. And then I just, you know, went on with my life. And one day, a, a old friend of mine in high school was listening to a CD and he said, and you want to listen? And, and I said, sure. What is it? And he said, it's a uh, Slayer, uh, Hella Waits. And I was, I was, I said, wow, this is so fast. I've never heard anything like this before. So then he showed me the, the whole, well, he, when he showed me the music, it was already during the fast part. And then I said, I want to listen to this song from the beginning. So he started it. And then, you know, where it's the, the join us, the, 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 uh, the atmosphere, like the, the first like minute where it's just like with the guitar and then the drums and then that awesome intro. The doo -doo 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 -doo. And then at that moment, I was just so blown away. I was like, whoa, this is this is something like I never heard before. And then after that, you know, I asked him to let me borrow that CD. I ripped it into my computer and then I was just like on repeat was just hell awaits. And then I started like that was when I started the search when I was like, okay, this is music. I want more of this music. And then that's when I started getting into like thrash metal, way more thrash metal. So at first it was like the big ones. And then I started diving down and then, you know, I started discovering bands like creator and Sodom and uh, dark angel. And eventually I got to death and deicide and morbid angel and it just went from there. I kind of went on my one on my own from that experience that I had with that old friend of mine and, you know, early in high school and yeah, then it just kind of, I can't even give you like a timeline after that. It just kind of just, it was a snowball effect. And I started discovering heavier bands. Then I could pinpoint like bands, I guess like that changed everything it was just kind of like when I discovered the early Sepultura albums. And then when I discovered, the Sodom records, like probably from obsessed by cruelty through tapping the vein. That was like my, I was just obsessed with those records. And then when I got into bands like death and deicide and morbid angel, then I started diving into their discography and then I stumbled upon immortal. And when I, when I stumbled upon Immortal, I stumbled upon the Down in Black record. And that record was 
that was life changing to me because when I first heard it, I, I didn't, because I had heard black metal before I had heard the, the mysterious record and the self-titled Buddhism record. And I had listened to in the night side eclipse prior, but it didn't click with me. I, I, I listened to it and I was like, oh, this is, this is cool. It's different, but I didn't go back to it. But then when I listened to damned in black, I, I was really impressed and I realized, Oh, this is also black metal. This is a, this is just an interpretation of it. You know? So then that's when I started really understanding and, and it clicked, everything clicked. And then I, I went back to the mysterious and I couldn't believe what I was hearing at that point. I was like, Oh, now I understand this. I, now I understand why, these records are so monumental because of what they create. I had to get into the right headspace. And then in the Nightside Eclipse, I, th that became like my Bible after a certain point, you know, like in the Nightside Eclipse. And then I discovered other bands after Dissection. And that, but those were the bands basically that like changed my life pretty much. Yeah. When I discovered those bands was, you know, this is the kind of music that I want to play. Yeah. So like, you know, you, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is like when I discovered Slayer and like Iron Maiden and the bands, I knew what kind of music that I wanted to listen to. But when I discovered these black metal bands, that's the music that I wanted to play. So, and then, and then after a point, I basically started creating a marriage within them as I was learning how to play guitar okay. and yeah, it just kind of went from there. Yeah. Was it, was it the, um, when you picked up on like thrash metal and death metal, uh, was when you started to take interest or in guitar or was it until later when you discovered the immortal and emperor and dissection records? Well, so I did, when I discovered thrash stuff, I, I was intimidated by guitar. So I got a bass. I had this really cool, BC rich warlock bass. It was just, it, it was awesome. It looked awesome to me just cause you know, the shape it's, it looks evil and stuff. And I was, I think I must've been like 15 when I got it. I was, it was just so impressive to me to get that. And then I just started learning. I started just playing around with it. And I started learning songs like Megadeth songs and Metallica songs and Slayer songs. And then from there, I, what, what had happened after? I didn't even set out to buy a guitar. I remember on MySpace, there were like um, listings, like classifieds for instruments. Like, you know, people would play their instruments and stuff. And I remember there was a guy who was looking for a lock and he was willing to trade it for a Jackson King V. And I had already had another bass by then. I'd got a, I'd got a ESP, uh, LTD bass. So I was like, oh, I can part with this bass. And this was a King V. And I love the King V because I was also, I mean, I still am a big fan of Megadeth. But at the time I was like the King V, Megadeth, Dave Mustaine. That was like everything to me. So I was thinking, oh, I can get a King V if I trade this and this bass is actually worth less than the King V that he's trained. So we made the trade, gave, uh, gave me the King V and everything. And then I, I just started playing with the guitar 
And when I started getting chords going and riff ideas and stuff, I saved up to get a line six spider, those little, the, uh, I think 30 watt, not bad actually, um, the, those little 30 watt line six amps. And then I just started getting tabs off the internet and learning how to play songs like that. And then I tried to mimic like techniques and stuff like riff techniques and uh, chord progressions and things like that from my favorite bands. And then when I started getting into the black metal stuff, it was like a relearning experience because it's just a different, there's just different techniques that go with it. And yeah, I, I picked up from all that and just went there. And I guess it contributed to my style and how I write music with Imperialist because it's not just one influence. It's not just only like damned in black influence, black metal type of thing. There's a lot of things that are incorporated in the music and it's, just because I guess that's just because the way I learned, like, I never had a lesson or anything like nobody taught me or guided me. I just sort of got the guitar and went from there. Awesome. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the dissection, um, the storm of the light Spain. That's uh, probably one of my top five, just favorite albums I ever like discovered. Like when I was getting into heavy music, Oh yeah. Um, I highly agree. <laughs> yeah. Super, super melodic and just, yeah. Even the artwork too. I was like obsessed with that artwork. I even like, like my dad's a painter. He, I asked him to paint something similar to that, but with a native American, um, like uh, actually let me grab, I'll show you real quick. Oh yeah, man. That's awesome. I don't know if you can see this. It's like a, Oh, dude, that's awesome. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a, a native Native American guy with a war, uh, a war bonnet. Yeah. And, but I, that's told, really cool. Man. Yeah. Should, I told you him. You should make a shirt design for the podcast. Yeah. I was thinking about having make prints of this, like just, you know, um, like just some prints and just give them out to people or, yeah, or even like make it a shirt or something. But yeah, it's, it's a total ripoff of the Storm of the Light Spain. That's really cool. Actually, I'm, uh, you should send me that. I want to show it to my bandmates. Uh, they would, they would really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll send you a, like a, just a JPEG or a digital uh, copy of that. Yeah, sure. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Especially, um, the brothers in, in the band, they're, they're native. So, Oh, nice. They have, they have native in them. So awesome. they really, yeah, they'll, they'll yeah. definitely dig that. Um, yeah, that's cool. I'm glad you kind of went through that progression of how, you like first got into music and how you got influence and then you started playing music. Um, how about, um, can you do, talk about just like the formation of, uh, or actually were you in any other bands before imperialist or? No, I mean, I jammed with other people and I, I had a sort of band going on when right out of high school with an old, a good friend of mine from, high school, he's a drummer and we would just jam, but we never really got like a, like an idea down. We never really got like a sound or what we wanted. We just kind of said, Hey man, we should play like this, or we should play like this. Or, you should write riffs like that. And then we just would come up with riffs, but never really structured anything. And I guess I just never really structured anything. I, I sort of just played riffs and I thought, I'll go from this riff to the next riff and come back. And then that's it. And we would just play it over and over. 
and then we would just end up playing covers. So we recruited a guitar players, but they didn't stick around. And then the whole band idea with my old buddy just never worked out. Then I started meeting other people and it was the same thing. It would just start up as a cover situation, but never another band. It was sort of quick, you know, he'd like once or twice and then nothing ever happened. And I always wanted to join a band at the time, but I guess because I was just intimidated by the, by the idea. I mean, I was like 16 or 17, you know, I just didn't really know many people, the same music tastes as I did. You know, there was like a, maybe like four or five guys in my school that listened to similar music as I did. But once I started getting into the, you know, like old death metal and stuff like that, those people were getting to like deathcore and things that I just didn't want a part of, you know, I, I wasn't going in that direction. I was more in the direction of like the more extreme, you know, death metal and, and black metal stuff. So there was also a discourse there, but the idea of imperialist came around when I then started getting serious about starting a band. I started investing into good gear. I got like a half stack, a Marshall, and I got a new guitar and I was just really focused at that time. I'd already set on the fact I want to play a type of black metal music and I want to interpret it somehow the way with my influences. So I always wanted to create black metal with riffs that were very not technical because, because our music is not technical by those terms, but not monotonous either. Not where it's like, you know, Transylvanian hunger or like, um, Panzerfaust, like those records just like, just the the tremolo chord riffing yeah i wanted to add more to it and that's where the dissection influences came in the uh uh necrophobic and and dark funeral those kind of influences came in because they had a little more riffs going on especially dissection where there is a lot of a lot of palm muting a lot of you know gallops and stuff like that and just the songs were longer and more storytelling. I wanted something like that. I wanted to be able to interpret that in my own way. So when I had that idea down, that's when I started looking for people. And that's when um, I started hanging out with Rodney, our drummer. And I, when was it that we decided we, we had been talking for a while and then I saw him at a, the first time Winter Sun <laughs> uh, played here in LA, they were they weren't even the headliner. They were opening for who were they opening for? Elevate Elevati. Mm-hmm. I think I'm pronouncing that right or wrong. Um, they were opening for them, and we were in line. And I was just telling, "Hey, man, we should just start a band, you know? Like, or we can just jam. Let's just." Uh, let's just jam, let's play some covers or something and then we can just jam out. Yeah, actually, yeah, now it's coming back. I didn't ask him to start a band. I just asked him to jam out. 
I just said, Hey, we should get together. I have a spot in my house and you can take your drums and we can just jam out. So when we met, we were trying to play these covers that we were talking about and it just didn't work out. But at the time I already had riffs for music for Imperialist. And I, I told him, Hey, do you want to hear something that I'm coming up with? Like these ideas that I have. So he, he said, go for it. I started playing the riff to what would become call a volcano. And he was, he basically said, why don't we just play this? And this was already like at the end of our jam, like he was already getting ready to leave and we were just getting ready to leave. And I said, Oh, okay. So you want to just play this kind of stuff? He's like, yeah, let's, let's do it. Um, sh uh, show me next time. And then he left his drums and we hung out, I think a week later he came, he came over and that was like the, that was like the push that I needed to really finish music, basically like finish these riffs, put them together and stuff. And that's when I started showing them, you know, I, I, I think I had finished Call of Volcano like a week or two after, and then we would jam to that. Then I started writing more riffs and I said, Hey, check this out. What do you think of this? And we were just going back and forth playing ideas. And I was even showing him riffs that would end up on Cypher. And we were just playing that and it just went from there. Then we were just looking for guitar players and, and bass players. And it was, it was difficult, but then we, we actually, wait, how did the, so uh, we, I ran into Brian somewhere at, I believe it was at a, I think it was at a gig and he said, Oh, you're jamming with my brother. I, I like what you guys are doing. I want to, I want to, I want to jam with you guys. So then he came, he came through and it was, it was the perfect match, you know, the, the three of us. So then we were just on the search for bass and then we, yeah, we found a bass player and we just went from there. Awesome. Yeah. I love, uh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Brian and Rodney are brothers. A lot of, a lot of bands that I've, always like admired and you know always have like brothers like you know sepultura and yeah like uh, gojira and van halen like pantera yeah they're, they're, i don't know something about when there's two brothers in the band you know they really kind of understand like on another level so then i feel like it really i don't know uh, i think there's just something cool about that yeah i always thought it was really cool and the chemistry is even better between us, between the four of us, because I mean, we all, we've all known each other for wow, a long time now. And it just helps where two of the four of us have known each other their whole lives. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's really cool. And it just creates more of a, of a, well, what's the word I'm looking for? A peaceful environment. Yeah. You know, there's more, there's more, it's, the communication is, is the best actually. I can't even imagine. Yeah. I, uh, I listen to a lot of like, um, you know, podcasts that interview metal musicians and I think it's the rod, you know, Rob Flynn from machine head. He has his own podcast. Oh, yeah. he, in he interviewed, um, you know, the guitarist for decapitated. Um, I think his name's Vogue, I guess decapitated. Oh, Vogue, yeah. yeah. Or the early decapitated, uh, records had, uh, 
Vog and his brother uh, on drums. Yeah, his brother. And yeah, I think there was like a story where like they were recording the organic hallucinosis album and um I guess Vog just played all his guitar tracks for the producer and then his brother, all he did was just lay on the couch. He didn't even like make up any drum parts. He just laid on the couch, listened to the to the guitar parts. And then he went in right after him and then just did all the drum parts like right there, right then and there. Just wow. kind of came up with it on his on his own, like just listened to his brother play guitar. So something like that. Yeah. Like you said, the chemistry is just like different. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I think it shows too, especially like in the, in the new, in the, well, the newest record on Zenith, it shows that we have a collective, just solid chemistry because everything's more, it flows much more organically. Yeah. And it has a lot to do with the fact that we just, the the writing process was a little different this time around. And we came up with a lot of the, the, like the more epic parts on the spot. Mm-hmm. We were just jamming and, and during, you know, we, we get together to practice for a set or just to kind of, you know, stay ready for a set. We, we just rehearse regularly but sometimes after or before we'll start playing something we're working on and then we just if it's really really good i mean we just start working on it there and we make a mental note and incorporate it for new material and a lot of that happened for zenith we came up with a lot of the like i said the really epic stuff on the spot and we just made a note and moved on with it but that's because of that chemistry you know we're able to just kind of play and sort of anticipate you know what kind of what kind of feeling we're going to get from playing with each other like rodney when i jam with rodney i mean we don't even look at each other like (laughs) we just like he knows he knows in a way what i'm going to play next based on what i'm playing now or like, I know where to go with what I'm playing when he changes what he's doing. So like, if I'm playing really fast and he just, he's doing a blast beat and then he just goes into a groove or something, I already know what to do at that point. I don't even need to anticipate it or anything. It's, it's just like, yeah, I just, we just know each other's, I guess, mannerisms when it comes to playing our instruments. So yeah yeah i uh you know i looked at the the previous uh releases there's uh the ep um that came out in 2015 quantum annexation then the cypher album in 2018 and then most recent zenith uh yeah the lineup's been stable for pretty much the whole uh course of the uh you know this discography of imperialist um i think that's um I think that's cool. I think you guys could really, you know, keep creating something like, you know, keep building off like, you know, previous albums. And yeah, if you guys just keep that lineup together, that'd be awesome. And just keep putting out good, good, badass music. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So the, we, yeah. That's the goal. Yeah. The goal is to keep it together. At this point, I mean, we've been together for so long that we're just, it's just normal. <laughs> you yeah. know, we're just, 
yeah and it's it's like a, we already we already know at this point you know just how how we want to do things and what we want to do for the future and it's just a progression basically we just want to go from where we are here what we want to do next and then when we get to that point we look back and then we assess what we did this time and then we apply that to what we're going to do next and then when we get and so on and so forth so now that zenith is out and people have heard it and whatnot it's been out now we know where we want to go next and now we know how we want to do that yeah. instead of just like oh we should do a completely different album <laughs> i although i think that is it's a very big risk and oftentimes it yields really good results but i always liked the gradual progression towards something versus the like the who's a band that would do something like that like you have bands like um well i mean emperor is an example where every album is slightly different than the next i mean uh than the one prior so you have in the night city clips going into anthems anthems has a lot of in the night city clips going on but it's just more theatrical more of a theater of the mind type thing and then you go to nine equilibrium where it's just less of that more aggression i guess because anthems is more dark even want to say romantic and then nine equilibrium is just aggression and then when it gets to um prometheus is just full-blown like <laughs> like a technical progressive extreme black metal you know you can't even categorize that so i always like that idea of just like a slowly gradual progression or you could be like like old path and just one day just like all right we're just gonna we're just gonna <laughs> yeah become <laughs> and, a 70s like prog rock band yeah yeah we're gonna become a 70s prog rock band and i love that stuff i, I love what old path has done i mean so far i'm a fan of it i love everything they've done but you know that's just what works for them but for us it's just i like the progression i like the gradual progression and, and i like what we can do next like what can we do next with what we have now while maintaining that same identity yeah. with the whole like iron maiden approach sort of thing where like you know iron maiden changes but you still know it's them whereas you have bands like yeah you know I, I mentioned them at this point i can just go on for hours about that but yeah basically maintain our identity incorporate new things and eventually get to something new yeah while maintaining our, our our sound you know just you know the band's like image imagery and like you know especially like with the merch i really love the merch like is that something you guys come up with or how do you guys come up with like the kind of like the I guess the imagery and the concept of like the, the visuals of the band. Uh, well, yeah, just uh, in short, the, the imagery comes from my appreciation for just science fiction slash sci-fi thriller slash horror imagery. And 
I want to be able to bring that into like the style of music that I play. So I wanted to like ancient but futuristic because I feel like, you know, if we were to come out with castles and, and a lot of ancient medieval things, you know, it would be just another, another one in the yeah, <laughs> another like one. burning, burning churches. Yeah. That's yeah. That's and I mean, that, yeah. I, I don't, I, I can't write about burning churches. Or anything. Yeah, I mean, I've never, I've never done that or anything. Yeah. You know? Like it's just, so I, I really like things like halo and Metroid and destiny and gears of war and star Wars and Dune and just a lot of like, science fiction and just space in general like i just like that and i think it's really fascinating what's out there and just the theories and everything so i put a lot of that in the imagery and the lyrics and then uh i also create my own stories within that realm you know like i have terminal odyssey which is like my favorite song i think <laughs> that i've written lyrically um that one is just about the last few minutes on Mars on a mission on the colonize on a colonizing mission, you know, and just everything that's going through, uh, this person's mind before they die on a foreign planet, you know, where the emotions are very violent to where they eventually become sort of tranquil sort of towards the end where it's a little more stressful, where it's impending and then just a sudden end, and that's how the music flows you know like you have the music where it starts very aggressive very very uh, brutal then it kind of transitions and it slows down then it gets there's a groove it gets a little more tranquil and then it just ends and it kind of goes in correlation with the lyrics and i i like to incorporate that just like the imagery because i think it looks cool i've always been into that kind of imagery like the space uh, science fiction the robots or not robots but you know just kind of like uh, yeah like artificial intelligence artificial intelligence yeah like my lyrics has a lot to, my lyrics have a lot to do with like uh just the unknown of space or just kind of like the idea of space or just scenarios when these phenomena occur but applied to as if we were experiencing it or whatnot things like that i kind of like to make the marriage somehow to the real world <laughs> yeah you know yeah i i that's uh, that's cool i mean i i do i did grow up playing some like games like halo but i think uh, just with work and stuff i haven't really gotten back into it but uh, i really i do like watching like sci-fi movies i'd say yeah like the most recent one i saw that i really liked was um i don't know if you watched like the marvel movies um oh yeah i love the marvel eternal have you enjoyed did you watch eternals yeah i did it was, yeah uh, that was amazing i was like oh, yeah shit. yeah yeah, yeah no it, it wasn't directly like i mean they referenced a couple of the marvel stuff going on in the universe but i think it kind of just was to me it was a standalone like really cool sci-fi movie it was cool yeah i agree it was really cool um i like to i like to take like the idea of the band movie wise if i were to describe it i describe it more like a world yeah. pretty much like yeah. you know how star wars you have the luke skywalker saga but then you have the extended universe uh i feel like our music is more like we just the lyrics just take place in this world and 
that's it. Like there's no correlation to anything. It's just kind of like, it just takes place on this world in space and this unnamed time. And that's it, <laughs> you know, and it leaves a lot of room for storytelling or, you know, symbolism. Cause there's a lot of symbolism in, in relation to the music and the real world. And I do, I do use a lot of metaphors with things that I see or with just things that I, that I have thoughts about. And then I kind of create the lyrics and I use lyrical, uh, like subject matter as the metaphors themselves. And, um, they're open for interpretation too. That's the thing. Like I have my interpretation, but the imagery is there. And if you really, you know, if you really care to read lyrics and stuff, you can sort of create your own conclusion as to what I'm trying to say. But the, the, the main point is that it, it is a story that takes place in, in another, in another world or like dimension or, or whatever, you know, another universe, but there are things that I draw from the real world and I incorporate them there. Yeah. Awesome. So the Zenith album has been out since November 26, 2021. Um, I have the digital copy. I know the physical copies are still, um, making their way to people. But, um, as far as like the, like the lyrical content of Zenith, is it kind of like, a is the whole album, like, do they, are all the songs connected or are they kind of like, kind of like on their own? Um, lyrically they're all on their own, but musically in a way they're connected, but only in the sense of how the album flows. So from the onset, the idea was to create an album in the same structure, or I guess same execution as Storm of the Lights Bane or Anthems, where it's, it can be one piece if you listen to it from the first song all the way to the very end, or it can stand on its own individually with each song. And, and that was, that was really the, the main idea. We want to have those albums as a blueprint and sort of go from there, make our own, make our own version of that. And that's why the album is more, is more uh, dense. There's a lot more going on. There's a lot of layers and just, the songs are longer, but there are more, there are more changes too, but there's more focus. It's definitely more focused than Cypher was. Cypher was, I feel like a collection of songs, but the thing is that that album, it, it's more like, yeah, like a, like an anthology. Like it's just like a lot of, a lot of pieces put together that usually just work like that. Just, it's just the album and, and all the songs in there, but Zenith, I feel more of a, like I said, just one piece or individual, it can work both ways. You can listen to it as one, or you can listen to it individually, however you want. And that was, yeah, that was a goal. And we did that. We got it out of our system and now we know what we want to do next. So, Awesome. Yeah, that was that was basically the idea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh can you talk about like the 
uh, kind of like on the title Zenith. Um, how did you in the band come up with the album title Zenith? Oh, it's um, so all right. So so Cypher, for example, and, and I'll get to it. So Cypher is basically symbolism as like zero. So that was like our ground zero. Like we were trying to reinvent ourselves as a band. Like we want, like we, we were, we felt like, all right, we have this sound. This is our zero ground. This is our foundation. Hence the name Cypher, hence the black hole. And then Zenith was kind of like, okay, we, we want to get from where we went from Cypher and we want to just <laughs> go from there. You know, we want to hit our, our Zenith, so to speak. We want to get to that point where we can, I guess, surpass Cypher pretty much in our own way, like surpass what we've done before and, and maintaining that integrity that we had this whole time. So this, the symbol of the tower is basically Zenith is a tower. And we, and, and we want to, we want our music to basically to ourselves, you know, be that tower, like where we can, where it can climb and, and eventually reach some form of peak. And the, this, the, the album itself, I feel like is like that. It works like that. It has a inception and then it, and then, so you have the intro and then you have the mall where it's like immediately, like it just throws you into something. Then it continues with parallax and then just kind of, it's like a little bit of a roller coaster, but always gradually going up in terms of what the first song did. And then by the time you get to, you get through the middle part and towards the end of the album, it's like the climax. It's like the zenith of the album where you're already at the very top and then that's it. You know, the journey, the journey ends on beyond the celestial veil. Wow. Uh, that's cool. I got Yeah. I was listening to it earlier today, um, but I'm definitely going to listen to it now with the intention of, you know, just kind of following each song's progression to the next one. That's yeah. And then the artwork, it was done by the artist, Adam Burke. Um, he also did the, the cipher, uh, artwork. Um, yeah. Yeah. How did he, uh, was that, did you guys just kind of just give him like lyrics or give him like the concept and then he was able to come up with it or was there kind of a lot of back and yeah. forth between the band? Uh, just, uh, the back and forth was mainly just on the colors, but the ideas themselves was our idea. We just provided the, this, the concept and he then just executed it. Yeah. Yeah. He, he does some really cool artwork. Um, yeah. yeah. He does great landscape work too. I like his landscape artwork where, you know, where it's just like a vast, like there's one that he did where it's like, uh, it's just like a mountainside and then there's a lake and it looks really cool. I, I like those that he does more than his uh, subject matter pieces. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, and then, um, you, you know, the album was released on transcending obscurity. Um, I guess I got a two part question. Like first, uh, how, how did you guys get the, get on transcending obscurity and do you guys have like, um, input on like the physical 
the physical products like the vinyl and uh, stuff like that? Uh, yeah. So when we got onto transcending, we, it, it was a cold email. So we just reached out to them and, um, with Cypher, we had actually started getting ready to self-release Cypher. And I think it was only like a week after we announced the out or like revealed the artwork and that we had an album coming out. And then we reached out to Transcending Obscurity. And I think, honestly, like a week later, I was on my computer, it was like 10 p.m. I remember it was like a Sunday night. And I saw an email notification from Transcendent Security and he said, oh, hey, I want to hear more. And I provided the rest of the record and he offered us a deal right there. And we, we signed on ever since, you know, it was just, uh, it, it started off with a cold email. <laughs> you know, we, we had sent, we had sent emails to a couple other labels too. And some of them were telling us things like, you know, we can't do it because we just don't have any space at the time. So it just, I guess, you know, it wasn't for us at the time, you know, those, those labels weren't for us yet, but transcending obscurity took a chance on us. And I really appreciate the opportunity we have because, you know, he really, he really took his time to develop, to develop our release and just our presence among, you know, the community. And we were able to get a lot of good support early on and it helped with, zenith when it came out you know with like and you know going into the merchandise the the first cypher you know, we only had one vinyl variant and it was just that really cool splatter the um it was in the same colors as the artwork but then when zenith came out again because you know the label the label knows, so he figured he'd do five variants of the vinyl of splatter variants of the vinyl and those went by quickly fortunately you know but it's because he was able to really push it to to the audience you know to really support us and it's because how much work goes into the merchandising that people are also attracted to you know yeah, I think uh, the, you know, Transcending Obscurity, they really um, appeal to the collectors. Um, I, I'm, you know, I follow a lot of collectors on like Instagram. It's, that's kind of like how I find out about new bands. But there's also like a Transcending Obscurity Facebook group where everyone kind of like, you know, shows off all their collection. But yeah. I think he really, yeah, understands like the that market um you know and marketing towards the collector because uh, i like to collect them but uh unfortunately i missed out on the imperialist vinyl and they went by fast and um but i know the cd uh, they, they also put out really cool cds i don't know if you've seen like you know just you know they, they usually like there's four or no like an eight panel there's like you know you yeah. fold into four and then there's like double-sided and yeah, then on top of that, like the top, like, you know, the, the surface is like usually like a really shiny, like effect. I don't know. It's just even the, even their CD stuff. And I haven't seen any of their tapes, but, um, I've seen that they put out like collectible, like boxes, like wooden boxes and yeah, those yeah all, all kinds of cool stuff. Did they, do yeah. they ever, do you ever get a hands on some of those or? Yeah. Yeah. I actually just got set, uh, Zen CDs. Let me show you. Uh, yeah, it's, 
one of these guys is really cool. It came out, it came out, uh, wow. It has like a metallic, a metallic print on it. And it has a cool little like description of like the, you know, what press has said. Yeah. And yeah, it's awesome. I, when I first saw it, I was saying, well, these look really cool. And I don't even, I don't even want to open it, <laughs> but, um, yeah, we had, we just got these and we are supposed to get vinyl in April, I believe. So because of the pressing plants, you know, the pressing plants are backed up. So that's why a lot of releases are backed up, but hopefully, I mean, you can pick one up if we have inventory, you know, cause we probably will get some inventory as well for ourselves. So, I mean, we'll, we'll announce it online. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'll be on the lookout. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, those, those box sets, man, those, those wooden box sets are really impressive. I remember when I first saw the box sets that he was doing with the wooden and then the, the wooden box set. And then like, it has the borders, like the little metal borders and it's embossed. And like the band's logo is in, in gold or like in silver or whatever color it's, you know, based off. And then just the mock-ups, like, you know, it, the way it opens and then everything in it has a flag. It has uh, like a poster, a patch, all kinds of cool stuff. And I really like that. I have one, I have one of the cypher ones here, but I haven't opened it. I don't want to open it. I kind of just want to keep it there. And yeah like the just the, yeah like you said you know he's, he appeals to the collectors but you know those are the faithful uh followers you know those are the collectors the people who want the physical media and i think that's why there's such a demand for physical media now especially vinyl and now tapes because it's so unique you know it's limited like you only get x amount per variant or x amount per release and then that's it you're not going to repress so then these people either want to collect and just have it or make an investment you know there are people who for example you know speaking on like storm of the lights bane people would get a repress of storm of the lights bane limited to 300 and then you can see it on discogs in like two three years for like three four hundred bucks you know yeah so, i i have a repress of actually all three of the the somber lens storm of light stain and rain chaos like oh okay i think they repressed it like in 2013 and i was lucky enough to get like one of each just just plain black like black yeah. vinyl but i actually just, have a, let me show you i think you'll like this i okay. have a the lights vein but it's a picture print okay let me see where is it So yeah, this is uh the limited to one thousand one. Yeah. And um, oh man, I really love the, the the picture print on this one. Let me see. So it's uh oh damn yeah yeah you have the you have the face in the front. And then on the back, you have the band. Damn. Yeah, I, I don't even want to play this. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's a cool display piece, yeah. Yeah, I just have it here for, you know, yeah, like for display. And 
keep it well protected in my collection. But yeah, no, see, you know, these are the things, you know, like this is the same, the same community that people are for like stuff from transcending obscurity because then they, Hey, sorry about that. Oh, no worries. I was, I was confused. I thought my connection went down or something. No, I got, um, I got bad Wi-Fi out here. I'm kind of like, oh, like the no northern worries. northern part of Arizona, like on the, like the Navajo reservation. So, okay, I I get like spotty. My Wi-Fi like will go in and out. Um, but yeah, it's it's cool though. Um, but yeah, we we're just talking about like that. Um, the the dissection like picture disc and that that was really cool. Oh yeah, um, yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, I just got the, the plain like uh, black wax vinyl and. Even looking on Discogs, like the Stone of the Light Spain, I think, I want to say it's like $200 now, like for resale that already like for, yeah, like for what it's worth. But uh, I'm not, yeah, no way I'm selling that. I mean, I got a couple people like, I used to like post my, uh, a lot of my vinyl stuff on social media, but I kind of slowed down, but just because it's mainly, um, I guess it's mainly just for me. And a lot of times people, kind of ask me for like stuff if, if it's for sale a lot of times it's not but uh mm -hmm. if they can offer like a cool like like trade i'll i'll go for it but um yeah i definitely have a lot um but i'll be on the i'll be on the lookout for some imperialists and see if there's any extra if they're on the transcending obscurity or if you guys have like your own merch site all yeah when we get when we get a merch supply you know um we'll post it you know some people some people really you know still comment that they missed the pre-orders and like when when they were still out and stuff so a lot of the times people just take those that's how it was with cypher when we started posting this for stuff on our personal like sales uh, band camp page people just kind of they, they just they they went out quick yeah so yeah. so it's it's really cool it's really humbling you know like to see people so interested in our in our music because i never would have thought that you know when we were doing quantum annotation the demo or even even with cypher because you know we were just thinking we're gonna go diy with cypher i never thought that the label would pick us up and just put so much into our merchants and put it on vinyl like i didn't even think of having our music on vinyl and now we have two records on vinyl so it's yeah. it's 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 nice to see and i'm really thankful for the opportunity regardless it's it's just good to see people out there supporting and just being really into what we're creating because you know we really we really believe in what we create and we really enjoy playing it and creating it and just creating this universe or not even creating a universe just our interpretation of what we like you know so yeah it's it's nice to see we like that yeah it's cool. um do you guys have any uh, other live shows coming up in the near future no we don't actually we did we did the california death fest and now we just we're gonna focus on a couple other things other unnamed projects so we're going to start doing that and we probably will will take shows maybe like in april yeah and then go from there yeah we we do want to start playing out of state 
did play Arizona in 2000. Yeah, it was like January 2019, the dead of winter fest. In, was it 2019, yeah, yeah, we played that show. Yeah, I was living in Phoenix at the time, but um, I was like working at the time, I just couldn't make it. But man, I really kind of bummed out, I missed it. Oh yeah, and we want to go back, so we'll we'll probably start uh, working on something like that soon for Arizona. Yeah, and yeah, that'd be that'd be sick. I'd definitely check that out. Um, yeah, man, you know, would love to have it meet you in person. You know, that'd be really cool. Yeah. Oh hell yeah. Um, and then um, just kind of a couple of closing um, questions. Um, is there any like new bands or any 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 band that you feel like doesn't get enough like recognition either locally or nationally that you know people should check out new bands let me see um so i really like i really i really like oh um, i really like vargraf um i don't know if you've checked them out oh not yet they have a that came out a couple years ago called rain and supreme darkness it's basically the night side eclipse warship um tons of atmosphere uh i like another band called fall they have an album called um what's the album called it's their most recent one that's a fantastic record black metal too but it has um symphonic elements there's a keyboard but it's really haunting it sounds really uh yeah haunting's a word i really like i really like that i think people should check that band out um who else I can think? I mean, I really like, uh, I really like Oculus. I think everyone should check Oculus out. Um, I can't even think I've just, I, honestly, I've just been listening to a lot of like the old school stuff that I always listen to. Yeah, man. I'm just, that's, that's all what I'm really into right now. Those are the bands that I'm big on right now. Yeah. No, I, um, that's cool. I'm definitely going to check out the Vargraf. I haven't heard that one yet. I'm, I'm just anything related to dissection. I will immediately check out. Oh um, yeah. You know, another, another great album that came out was, um, a band called Stormkeep. Oh yeah. They, they put out an album called tales of other time. Um, that's like early Dimmu Borgir worship, like Dimmu Borgir and like early Emperor worship. That's a good album too. Um, yeah, I think, I think people should check that out and let me, yeah. I, I mean, I can't even think right now. I'm just so tapped out yeah. with, with just talking about all yeah. that stuff. No, um, I, I, yeah. A lot of the stuff I like, um, I mainly like, um, regarding black metal, I really like the stuff that like, you know, people use like native American history or culture. They incorporate that. It's, uh, I guess the most popular one would be like Pan American native front. And there's a couple bands around here, um, like mutilated tyrant. And, um, I talked to one, one, a one man project called East Nahi. He does like songs in the Navajo language. Oh, and, wow. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's really, it's super raw. It's like really raw. Kind of like, it's almost like a more like immortal and like uh, inquisition kind of sounding. Vocals. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's cool. Super so raw. like really like creepy, like, like really almost like if they're speaking. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, a, yeah, yeah. like almost like a frog. Like, I guess everyone compares like Abbott's vocals to like a frog, frog vocals. Kind of like that. Yeah. 
um and then um uh recently i talked with uh the um yeah definitely uh, everything about that project is amazing all right um i think that's pretty much all my questions um any specific like uh people or you know anyone in particular you want to like just you know shout out or or um acknowledge well i mean everyone who supports us you know you yourself included i mean we wouldn't be here if you guys wouldn't you know if, if, if you wouldn't listen to our music or, or support you know we're here because because of you um and and i appreciate all the support i appreciate everyone who supports us you know i i'm just thankful for all of that and and we just we're just gonna we're just going to keep on, we're going to stay, we're going to stay around as much as, as much as we, we see fit. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cool. Now what's the best way to show support for Imperialist? Yeah, you can, you can purchase merch. You know, we have links on our uh, Instagram. You can follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook and you can go to our, we have a link in our bios on our social media and that'll link you to uh, the label or to our merchandise or to any of the other outlets that we have like uh, night shift merch who's doing they just released uh, a really cool design for terminal odyssey actually yeah, uh, we got a long sleeve cool. uh, and then other merch you know you can get through there and yeah you can go check us out on social media follow us like us support buy an album buy a shirt a sweater yeah. we have a bunch of stuff available for people oh hell yeah yeah, yeah, for sure. I love love the artwork and all the everything on the merch. Um, Thank you. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. I'm gonna stop the recorder right now. That was my talk with Imperialist vocalist guitarist Sergio Soto. Um, apologies for the poor audio. Uh, I was dealing with some really bad Wi-Fi connections uh, throughout our Zoom call, but um, yeah, just be sure to support Imperialist. Um, you know, follow them on social media stream their music on Spotify, iTunes, uh, YouTube. And uh, if you can, you know, be sure to pick up some of their, you know, albums on um, on physical format. And be sure to follow Transcending Obscurity, probably one of the best uh, metal labels going on right now. And um, yeah, really thankful to be able to talk with uh, Sergio and hopefully I can talk with more um, people from Transcending Obscurity. I'm going to play a song that uh, Sergio mentioned was, you know, one of his favorites off the new album, Zenith. And that song is Terminal Odyssey. And then after that, you know, that'll be the end of the podcast. So, yeah, thanks for listening. Go ahead. Bye.